Welcome, this is the Change Creator Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Change Creator Podcast show. This is your host, Adam Force. Excited to be here today. I know there's a lot going on around the world at the moment with this coronavirus. Um, So let's all just stay calm and think from a place of leadership and not fear. We are moving forward in just helping people and joining different communities and conversations and doing what we can to support each other as we adapt to what's happening here, right? We are problem solvers as entrepreneurs. This is what we do. We have a really great talk today. Um, And so before we get into that, though, if you missed the last episode is with JV Crum. He is a podcasting guru, business expert. He reaches about 12 million people a month. And so we talk about what it takes to scale a seven figure podcast. So if you missed that and you want to get those insights, just jump back there and make sure you listen to that episode. Today, we're going to be talking with Ali Ball. She is an entrepreneurship uh, rock star, and she's been crushing it. She went from, you know, consulting in the food retail space to supporting people with group initiatives all the way to now running an incredible evergreen business with online education. All right. So this is a good, good example. So of how to go and take your intellectual property and turn it into a thriving multi uh, six figure business. So Ali's going to share some of her insights around how that all happened and things that you need to be aware of and organizational structures and systems and things like that. And I think you're going to get a lot of gold out of this conversation. Uh, Ali's actually in one of the masterminds that we're in together. And so I've had a lot of good conversation with her and I'm excited to have her on here to share her expertise and insights. So guys, just hang on for a minute. We're going to jump into that conversation. Um, if you're following us on Facebook, that's our main social media channel at the moment. So you would probably have noticed that we put out a note to everybody about this coronavirus and we're going to be having conversations. So Amy and I, co-founder here, uh, my co-founder here at Change Creator, will be jumping on Facebook live. We just did one on uh, yesterday, which was the 18th of uh, March. And we'll be continuing to jump on and talk more about different things, about how we're managing the business and helping uh, provide support for you guys running your businesses and things like that. So catch us on Facebook. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, it is the Profitable Impact. It is the Profitable Digital Impact Entrepreneur. So you can find us there, join us, get involved in the conversation um, and connect with everybody. All right, guys, last but not least, jump over to changecreator.com. Don't forget, we have lots of fresh content out there um, and lots of good updates to help you along your way. Um, If you guys have ever have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. We appreciate all your ongoing support. And uh, we're going to dive into this conversation right now with Allie and see what she has to say. Okay, show me the heat. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Allie, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How's everything going today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So, you know, everybody listening, we are in the midst. This conversation is in the middle of this whole coronavirus situation. So lots of stuff going on around the world. And we're going to dive into a conversation here with Ali. It is not focused on the coronavirus, but we are going to be talking about very important business uh, insights for you. (laughs) Yeah. But I know everybody's got a lot on their mind right now. So we'll just kind of see where this goes. And Ali, if you can kick us off... um, I just like to always give people a sense of what you're working on today, what's going on in your world, and just give a little bit of background for people and and where you're at. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I am a former grocery buyer turned wholesale consultant. So I help producers of packaged product in the food and beverage industry understand how to get on grocery store shelves and how to have high sales once they're there. So I do this all through a digital course called Retail Ready, and I educate consumers through my podcast, Food Biz Whiz. And so, Adam, you can imagine that we are in a really interesting time this week and the past few weeks with producers of packaged product, especially in grocery stores. With COVID-19, we're seeing, obviously, a run on on grocery products, particularly pantry products. So <laughs> that's really what we're focusing on both in my Facebook group and on our group coaching calls right now. Yeah. How can these entrepreneurs navigate this time of an uncertainty and how they can how they can stay focused in their business and not respond in a panicked way. Yeah, so important too, just to have that kind of mindset. Um, We make bad decisions out of anxiety and doubt and fear and those types of things. Totally, totally. And I think it's it's my role as the leader in Retail Ready to show up as someone who is level-headed and calm and providing creative solutions without being like, you know, on edge and panicked myself. And I think so often, you know, I'm, I'm actually very proud of my Retail Ready students. I think that we've got a lot of great energy in the group. And I love seeing, I love, I don't know if you see this too in your group, Adam, but like seeing students almost self-coaching and coaching each other through these challenging situations. Yeah, yeah. The, those conversations tend to kind of just naturally pop up as everybody has the same thing on their mind, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And just everybody listening, you know, Ali is a, a business kind of, uh, she's a beast when it comes to entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's why I was so excited to have her on here. She's crushing it with her program. And, you know, she did a lot of consulting before that and then flipped it into this digital uh, environment to really start scaling. So, Ali, tell us a little bit just from a business standpoint about the transition of taking um, your intellectual property from mm-hmm. a consulting standpoint and converting it into an online business through coursework and things like that. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm so happy to talk about this topic. It's one that I get really excited about. So, I have been in business for six years and I I got to tell you, Adam, like six years ago, I would have never predicted that I would be a digital course creator. Like that is not where I saw my business going right. at all. But I left my job as a grocery buyer and I saw this hole in the marketplace. I saw so many producers, really, really great producers, not understand how to get on grocery store shelves and not understand how to connect with those buyers and not understand you know, similar to what you work on, like not understand how to tell their story and get consumers to care about their product. Yeah. And I knew that I had this unique perspective of, of being on the other side of the grocery shelves. Um, and I could offer that to packaged food producers. Mm-hmm. So I left, like I said, I left my business or my, my corporate job six years ago and I started doing all one-on-one consulting. And okay. I, I loved it. I I loved working so closely with producers and helping them understand how to find success with their products. But I'll tell you, like, 
I am not someone who takes work lightly. And I was finding that I just didn't have the capacity to serve all of the clients who needed my help. And I would see all of these emerging brands struggling with the same exact challenges. And I knew that if I could get them in a room together and I could you know, systematize my offering for them, I could impact more businesses. Yeah. So um, about four years ago, I took my my years of one-on-one consulting and I bundled it up and I was like, I have this theory that like I can offer group coaching at a lower price point and you know help more food entrepreneurs. And so I, gosh, Adam, like my first <laughs> my first retail ready was eight brands and we did everything over conference calls like Mm -hmm. not even zoom it was like everybody dialed into a conference (laughs) line i like presented information you know over the phone they got a google drive link with you know a shareable workbook like not very secure um back then but like you know that's how i was that's how i tested it out and i i validated that this was a good idea. And so for the first few years of teaching Retail Ready, I taught it as a live course and I would teach it about four times a year. And I would have about 15 brands at a time who would come in and we would go fast and furious, like six weeks of hard, hardcore, like heads down working on their food businesses. And then I would send them on their way. And I <laughs> saw, <laughs> Adam, you probably know where I'm going with this. Like I saw a few holes in this logic. Yeah. First off, I, when brands would come to me and they, they would say like, Allie, like I'm ready to work with you. I've got XYZ problems. I know you're my solution. So often I would say like, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Like I'm in week two of teaching retail ready. You know, like you can't join at this, at this point, like get on the wait list. I think I'm going to run it again in the spring. Like, you know, hang in there, (laughs) which (laughs) is like the worst advice that you want to give or like the worst message you want to give to someone who is coming to you with an open wallet. right? (laughs) Right. So it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for these businesses who needed my help. And I knew that I had to somehow change the system. But again, like I didn't really consider myself a digital course creator and I didn't, this was, this was four years ago. I mean, this, I first ran retail ready in 2015. Um, so gosh, like over four years ago now. And like the whole digital learning economy was not as robust as it is now. And so I didn't know what an evergreen course was. I didn't know that there was this <laughs> this thing that I could do to make it a not live course. And I feel very fortunate. I don't know if you know this story, Adam, mm. that um, Courtney Foster Donahue of FB Everything and the Course Course yeah. um, was a friend of mine. And, and I was essentially complaining to her about this struggle with my live courses. And she said, you know, Allie, you just got to turn it evergreen. Like, yeah. I know just the lady to help you. And so sure enough, she, she introduced me to the world of evergreen courses. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love um, it. That changed my business model entirely. So that was in 2018. And I changed Retail Ready into an evergreen course, which, you know, I'm sure most of your listeners know, but that essentially means that the course content lives on my course platform and my students go self-paced through that core course content while they still get live coaching, 
month in and month out um, on coaching calls and then in our Facebook community and things like that. But I turned that evergreen in 2018 and now we are enrolling about 30 brands a month into retail ready. Um, We've grown to a team of five here at Food Biz Wiz. And um, we're really cranking. It's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. No, yeah. You guys are doing really great work. And it's it's great to see. And I want to emphasize for everybody listening that the steps Allie took, which she naturally did, which was, I'm a consultant. I'm helping people. But I need to scale more. How mm-hmm. do I make this digital? Going through the process that you went through to teach over conference calls, keep it low cost, just really yeah. simple with yep. Google Docs, a PowerPoint, whatever it is, um, they get in at a better price potentially you learn a ton from their feedback you see where the holes are and then you turn that into your course once it gets buttoned up don't miss out on those steps like so I think so many people want to get an idea, come up with like, oh, here's my four-part course or five-part course, whatever it is, but they miss that part of like, oh, you never were a consultant for this <laughs> this information yeah. and you yeah. never did a beta. <laughs> exactly, Adam. Like, I'm sure you, you're the same, same, <laughs> same as me. Yeah. I get emails every single week from other entrepreneurs who want to start an online course and they see me and they, you know, see my success. And I'm so grateful that they think I can help them. But then once we get on the phone, I realize that they don't have a product. They've never served people through a consulting model. Like they, they just think that it's an easy industry to get into, um, which as we both know is, is really, really far from the truth. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, yeah, it is. Yeah. It takes time say, and patience. Adam, like, yeah. And you know this too, that just because you're an expert in something doesn't mean you're a great teacher and doesn't mean that you're a great online teacher. And I think that that is so important to think about as well. Like yeah. I know a woman, um, who wants to start an online course. She is truly an expert in what she does, but she doesn't want to show up on video. She doesn't use social media (laughs) and she doesn't want to, and she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to have an online presence. And, you know, I, I know that what she has to offer is really valuable, but I also know it's going to be really hard for her to build, market, and sell a course if she doesn't want to use those those basic tools. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned not everybody's a great teacher, and right in my mind, I go, well, forget that. Not everybody's great at selling and marketing, and they all think, <laughs> you know, like, we mentioned this as a common mistake that entrepreneurs make, which is you think that you can just delegate the sales and marketing for yeah. your business. And that's like the biggest misconception because you need to be the number one sales rep, especially in the first year or two of getting that thing off the ground. Yeah, Adam, I'll tell you the, the reason why I've had so much success with retail ready is because I love the sales and marketing side. Mm -hmm. I absolutely adore it. And I think that one of the things that we talk about a lot in retail ready is that like that classic phrase, like if you build it, they will come is the worst business (laughs) advice that I've ever heard. Right. Like that as a whole does not work. Um, so often I see people, you know, either creating products, whether they're physical products or digital products, they're trying even to get into consulting, like whatever it is, whatever they're selling, um, they build it and it's a good thing. But if they aren't out there, 
marketing their product and showing the world that they have a solution to people's problems, no one's going to buy it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to, I, I like to remind myself that it took me a while to realize this as well. You know, the first, the first two years of my business, when I was doing consulting only, mm-hmm. I, my, my income really ebbed and flowed. And, you know, there were some months where I was making a thousand bucks and there were other months where I was making 10,000 bucks. And, you know, it was when I look back at it, you know, because everything's hindsight here. Like when I look back on it, I realize it's because I didn't, I didn't have a strong marketing plan and I wasn't, I wasn't promoting my, my services. Yeah. And there's just so many, variables and decisions Mm -hmm. to be made that I see a lot of our students, especially ones that sometimes earlier, they go off on tangents and they have so many ideas that it's hard for them to keep their focus, even, even going through the program and stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm like, well, like go through and like, you just see like weeks later, this, especially when we were running our beta and stuff, they'd come to each next call and I'd be like, no, like we were supposed to focus on <laughs> no. this for the next two weeks. <laughs> Adam, yeah. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'll give this example. So when I, when I first left my buyer role, I, you know, like I said, I was doing consulting and I was consulting for two different audiences. Okay. I did a lot of consulting with retail stores, with grocery stores, helping them dial in their grocery operations. So understanding ordering and receiving and inventory management, okay. yeah. understanding merchandising, you know, all of, all of that, like how to run a successful grocery store, which was exactly what I was doing in my corporate role. I also then started doing that producer consulting that I was so fired up about, that I was so, you know, that's really where my passion was. But the retail consulting was really paying the bills at the beginning. Of course, yeah. Of course, right? Like a grocery store has more money than a granola maker, <laughs> like, period. Yeah. So, but I realized, and, you know, I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but like it probably took me a good 18 months to realize this, that the reason why my marketing was failing was because I was trying to speak to both audiences at the same time. I was trying to speak to that grocery store manager or that grocery store owner and that granola producer. And because my messaging was you know, really focus on, I can do this, or I could do this, or I could do this for you, or like, I can also solve this problem. I wasn't narrowed enough. I wasn't, I wasn't clear enough in what value I was providing for my clients. And therefore, people didn't know if I was the solution to their problems. Right. They're not sure. You you leave a little uncertainty because you're like, there's not one group of people that it speaks very, very clearly to specifically. And I think a lot of people have niche phobia um, because we don't want to miss out. (laughs) I did too. I totally did. Yeah, I totally did. I was like, my niche is producers of packaged product in the specialty food industry. Like that is so narrow. And, you know, we, even beyond that, like we focus on people who want to improve and increase their wholesale accounts. So like not even talking about e-commerce, which is so trendy nowadays, like not even talking about direct to consumer, like we are solely focused on wholesale. And I was really nervous about that. And I, I gotta say, Adam, like once I leaned into that and once I put those nerves aside, 
everything clicked in place. All of my marketing became so much more focused. And I'll tell you, like I've shared my numbers with you, Adam, like when people find me, they know beyond a doubt that I can help them with such a particular problem. And that's why they, that's why they convert to, you know, to, to a sale so easily because they, they know I can help them. Um, That's the key. That is the key. And and, and all of a sudden it's easier for you too, right? Because all of a sudden now your, your messaging for yourself is more clear because you're like, I'm just talking to this one group. So all of a sudden you're going deeper and deeper with more clarity on a very specific area. That's easier for the marketer as well. Oh, 100%. You know, when I, when, so you said like speaking to a narrow group and yes, of course it is a a group, but I go so far as to have my ideal target audience that is a singular person yes. who I speak to yes. every single time. And so whenever I'm thinking about a marketing strategy or making business decisions, I can say to myself, like, would Sylvie like this course yeah. bonus? Would Sylvie <laughs> be able to come to an 11 a.m. group coaching call? You know, everything is run through this filter of my ideal target audience. And I got to say, like, it, it makes, it makes everything easier. Yeah, it's true. I mean, even for our own program at the Captivate Method, we are thinking about taking it even further. Like we go to social entrepreneurs, we, we focus on supercharging marketing with storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, and it could be for anybody, e-commerce, it could be for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, coaches, agencies. And I've, Amy and I have been discussing, like, maybe we do need to just narrow down to just working with coaches, you know, just yeah. work, because yeah. I mean, just, I'm, I'm saying this to people now on who are listening because you can, you can always go uh, deeper on your focus. Um, and it, and it'll only help you more, especially in earlier years. If you have a new offer, it usually is way better to go very specific rock (laughs) and roll. And then you can always expand later. Yeah, absolutely. I think about that too. And like when I first started doing my course, so I, I had two courses, I had retail ready and I also had one that was called staff stuff. And that was all about hiring, motivating and retaining staff in the food industry. And I, you know, when I first launched it, I was like, why am I narrow? Why am I keeping this to the food industry? Like these like team building fundamentals and this like these hiring and like leadership skills are, are essential in any business. Like, why am I, why am I narrowing it to the food industry? (laughs) And I'm, again, like, I'm so grateful that I did because when that restaurant owner or when that (laughs) retail store manager found me, they knew that I was specifically speaking to their industry, even if I know deep down that it can apply to any industry. That's that's the that's the part that tears at people as you know deep down it can, it can apply anywhere but Yep. Yeah, you just got to buckle down sometimes and go after that very narrow focus. Uh, you know, and listen, like you could f- focus on that. And then after two years, if you're making seven figures on that funnel, you then can expand the product to be for the next group of people. Right? Totally. Like what we're experimenting here with Retail Ready is thinking about as the cannabis industry is getting larger and larger in the United States, they they need these brand foundations and the wholesale strategy that we have put in place for you know non-infused products. And so we could very easily replicate 
you know, 90% of retail ready course content and market it to the cannabis industry. And, um, you know, I think that that is a really smart way to do it or like a very, I don't want to say it's an easy way to do it, but that, that to me is so much more thoughtful and strategic than just saying, I'm going to open this course up to anyone who, you know, who is an entrepreneur who wants to like think about business. Exactly. Right, like that's so broad. It's so broad. Makes a big difference. Makes a big difference. Um, and I'm wondering yeah. if you have remembered uh, anything that, like, when you were doing your beta course, mm-hmm. um, and you went from consulting to beta. Yeah. Um, did the process uh, you used for your consulting? Right. Yeah. Did yep. that apply directly to the course or were there changes to the flow based on the fact that it's now a course? Oh, that's a great question. So what I did is when I started consulting, I so I'm a systems person. I will tell you that. Like I love yeah. organization and systems. And one of the things that I did with my consulting clients pretty early on is I developed a 12-step outline on how we were going to take them from, you know, business idea to getting their first wholesale account. And I would go through the same exact process tweaking it slightly for my one-on-one clients. And, you know, it took a little while to develop that process, but, you know, once I had, I mean, gosh, it was probably as fast as like three or four clients realizing that they, they all had similar challenges. So once I was able to have that, you know, that rough like 12 step process, I knew that that was something that I could replicate with with my one-on-one clients. Okay. You know, at the end of the day, Adam, like I didn't want to reinvent the wheel with every single client. Nope. And I would find that I would write, you know, I would write these custom proposals and I would, you know, a client would convince me that they didn't need some <laughs> you know, foundational aspect. And then we would get into meeting two or meeting three. And I was like, Oh God, like you really just, you know, you really needed homework assignment number two that I give to almost everybody. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so once I, once I started like documenting that system of how I, how I achieved a transformation in my one-on-one clients that so clearly created the curriculum for retail ready, you know, I was like, I'm already following these steps. So, so I would say like as much as you can, if you find yourself replicating the same thing over and over with clients, that's a really great indicator that it potentially could turn into a course. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, so let's dive into some of your organizational obsessions. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the reason I bring that up is because I, I think so many people, especially early on, you know, things can get out of hand and you think you're organized, but you're really not, you're not creating the systems you need because you're busy working on your, you know, your business and in your business, whatever. Um, and so tell me, I guess a little bit about how maybe some organizational ideas that you've had along the way. Yeah. So I can talk about a couple things and I've got like two, two like very, tangible or not, not tangible, but two like very concrete things that people can put in place. And then I just have like a general philosophy uh, that I'd love to share with your listeners. So first off, I will say that I am a huge 
planner user, like a huge physical planner user. My high school actually required us to use a physical planner and they gave it to every student when, you know, I don't know, first day of school or something. And we had to use this physical planner. And, you know, when I was 14, I thought it was a drag. Like I, I, you know, I was like, why is my school requiring me to do this? But I will tell you, it has like laid the foundation for my time management and my organizational Mm -hmm, skills. mm -hmm. So I have been using a physical planner for about two decades now. And (laughs) I actually, Adam, I don't know if you know this, I have a physical planner called the Food Biz Wiz planner that um, we give to retail ready students and we sell on my website. And it's specifically, again, I say it's specifically made for the food industry, but like, as we were just discussing, you know, <laughs> these are organizational skills that like anybody can exactly, use. Yeah, so exactly. let me talk, let me talk about a, like my two favorite parts of the food biz was planner that anybody can put into place. And they're like really my foundations for achieving all that I do in my business. The first one is realizing that I can achieve three big things every week and that's it. And so what I do is I'll either do it on Friday afternoons or on Sunday evenings, kind of depending on how my week ends. But what I will do is I will sit down for about 10 minutes before, before Monday morning and I will plan out three things that I'm going to accomplish in the week that are going to hit me, move me closer to my quarterly goals. And that to me is so fundamental because no matter how, (laughs) no matter how my week goes, I know that daily I can turn back to those three things and know exactly what I need to be making progress on that's aligned with where I want my my business to go. Mm -hmm. And so you know, it takes me 10 minutes every week. At the end of the week, I'll then like sit down and review how far along I got with those three things. Um, and that like, that simple thing, like it sounds almost too simple, Adam, but that, that like practice alone has, has really influenced how much I can get done in my business and how quickly my business moves forward. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I love that. Yeah, that's I a big love one. The key that's, three. A big one. That, that's a really big one for me. And then the second one is that I have a morning routine and an evening routine that takes about half hour at the start of each day and the end of each day. And I do the same exact routine in the same exact order every day. Okay. And so now this is, I mean, I'm going to let you in on the secret. I, it seems a little bit like obsessive compulsive to do this, but it allows me as someone who primarily works from home to have bookends to my day. And that's really important because I don't know if you're like me, Adam, but like I could work until 10 PM every uh-huh. night. Like I love what I do. I love working. I like it's so easy for me to just work into the evening. However, like for my own like mental health, <laughs> for the health of my relationships, for like, exactly. you know, frankly, my physical health too. Like I wouldn't go to the gym if I worked all night long. Um, I've got to have a way to end the day. So what I do is every single day, you know, Monday through Friday, I get up, you know, I have my coffee. I like hang out with my husband for a bit. I walk the dog, whatever. Like, you know, that's not part of my morning routine. <laughs> but once, once I sit down to work, I skim my email and just see, you know, what's on, on deck for the day. 
I check in in my retail ready student group. I check my Slack channels and I check Instagram. Yeah. And that's it. I do those four things <clears throat> in that order every day. And then, and this is the key, Adam, I don't do them again throughout the day. Mm, yeah. So like, okay. I'm not in my inbox 15 times a day. Obsessing. I'm not on Instagram every time I have a five minute break. Like yeah. I'm not checking Slack all day long. Um, and that to me has made all the difference because I am able to then, you know, do the opposite of multitasking. I focus on one task at a hand at, at a time. And it really allows me to like, almost like autopilot start and end my day. Yep. I mean, so important to have boundaries for yourself in a sense, right? Because yeah. those little distractions can really interrupt the day quite a bit. So, you know, only looking at your phone in the morning at lunch yep. and in the evening, like that yep. kind of thing makes a huge difference. Uh, your morning routine is a little different than mine, especially your evening routine. My evening routine is um, have a bourbon by 334 <laughs> o'clock. <laughs> so I'm late for my bourbon. Uh, <laughs> and my morning is is more along the lines of run a mile, go to the gym yeah. for like 20 yeah. minutes. And then I do a, a shower and then a meditation and I'm like ready to rock and roll. Yeah. And that's, I, I love that you bring that up, Adam, because everyone's routine can be different, right? Exactly. Like just because that's my routine doesn't need it mean it has to be your listeners routine. It's whatever it works for you. And so for me, like I usually do that from about eight 30 to nine o'clock. And then I do a gym class at 930. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. So like it, it works best for me if I start my day by just checking in on my systems and, you know, checking in with my team <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then I go do something for myself yep, um, love that. so that when I come back at 11, I know exactly what I'm working on and I can be heads down for like my most productive hours of the day, which are like 11 to two. And that's a key statement, your most yeah. productive hours. Cause every, yep. some people are morning people, some people are night owls and all, whatever it is, you know, so we have to work during our best hours and do the things that are best for us. And, and I think, yeah. you know, it's important to just be, um, to follow that, right. Kind of follow what's best for you, but I don't totally. want people to rationalize and say, Oh, well then I better just get up at noon. <laughs> you know, it's like, all right. <laughs> So, right. It is so funny because my husband and I both work from home yeah. and oh sometimes, you know, we'll like do our morning routines. Our dog is walked. Like we, we come back from the gym at like 11 shower, whatever. And then I'm like, Oh, like it's noon. I'm just getting to work. Yeah. You know, and that, it, it feels so luxurious and so silly to have that be our schedule. Um, you know, not every day, but like often, but then I will tell you, I will sit down and I am one of the most productive people you will ever meet. So I am sitting down and cranking it out until 4 PM and like achieving so much stuff because I'm so focused again on like my ultimate priorities every week and every day. I mean, it totally makes sense. I love it because tracking what you need to do and staying on top of it, giving yourself the time, like going to the gym, exercising, like I will say as entrepreneurs that work out of the house, if we don't make time for that one, we won't be as focused. We won't be mm -hmm. as sharp, but yep. two, your body will start to physically like fall apart and you're going to be at the doctor saying, I have <laughs> neck pain. I have shoulder pain. Yes. I have been there and I was like, 
holy crap, I stopped like exercising for, I think, I don't know, nine to 12 months. I was just like in the zone working every day from like 5 a.m. till freaking seven at night. And I ran into real physical health issues. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's astonishing, right? Like we, I, I feel like we don't recognize that until it becomes a problem. Um, Sadly. But I, and this goes back to like my general philosophy that I wanted to touch on is that Adam, I say no to most things that come across my plate. And I swear to you that I have been able to have the business success that I have because I do, because I'm very picky about what I say yes to. And I have, I've really narrowed and limited the amount of things on my plate. Um, So I say yes to going to the gym. Like I say yes to having a healthy lunch every day. Like I say yes to making time to, you know, read at night and things like that so that I can become and stay that healthy entrepreneur that I, that I strive to be. 100%. Yeah. I love that. That's good. That's good. This is good insights, folks. Uh, pay attention. Thank you. (laughs) Gosh, I could talk about this all day long. I know. Um, These are, I know we could, they're good. They're good. conversations that have to resurface regularly to remind us, remind people listening um, about these key points. Because once you start having success as an entrepreneur, you'll realize that the more you do take care of yourself, that inner world, whether it's meditation, Mm -hmm. running, whatever, that will help develop your outer world more in line with what you want, right? So like, this is huge. And I think so many people neglect it. Well, yeah. And, you know, it sounds so cheesy, but like there's a reason why we say, like, put on your own oxygen mask first. Right. You have to take care of yourself first so that you can show up for others. And I think that is, you know, that's our ultimate responsibility as course creators and entrepreneurs. Like if we are truly meant to be the leader that we want to be we have to take care of ourselves first exactly i love it yeah that's a good note to end on here we hit our we're at 34 minutes so i'm going to wrap up so let's just um there's i know there's people in the food space and our audience um and i want to give a shout out how do they find you learn more about what you're doing for retail ready to see if maybe it's something that could help them where do they go Great. Thank you for asking. I've got two really great resources for them. The first one is my own podcast. Again, it's called Food Biz Whiz, and that can be found at foodbizwiz.com. And actually, Adam, I've got a couple episodes on how to get organized as a food entrepreneur, why saying no is the most important thing you can do in your business. Lots of topics like that. So if your listeners have enjoyed this style of conversation today, I think that they'll enjoy some of those episodes. Mm -hmm. And then also I've got a really awesome nine step roadmap on how to get your products on the retail shelf. So if you are a food producer, beverage producer, like wellness or supplement producer, that is going to be great for you. So that's at alleyball.com slash roadmap alleyball.com yeah slash roadmap okay just writing it down all right great awesome so guys you could check out Allie's uh podcast check out her roadmap and other information she has available at those resources um you know i made a note to myself here ali i was like mm-hmm. when to say no and i for a potential <laughs> facebook live video <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know yes. what, Adam, I'll send you that, um, that podcast episode. Sure. I, I feel sure. so wholeheartedly that it is applicable to anyone, oh, yeah. not even, you know, not just food, but just in owners. life in general, it's not even oh, yeah. business like focused. Honestly, it just applies everywhere. It's such a great kind of philosophy to dig into and think about. Um, yeah. I would add, you know, like you got, you've been doing your, your quarterly planner and uh, things yeah. like that. And we have been doing journaling um, with different uh, insights, but more about nurturing the inside um, psychology. Um, mm-hmm. And yep. I got to tell you, man, like we're starting to apply this as a strategy for all of our new students, yeah. um, because as you go through it, what I've learned and doing it myself for a while now is you get into these thoughts about your own journey um, and they become great talking points for your live videos and everything else that you're doing in the business because you're actually digging into how you feel, who you need to become, challenges, what kind of conversations you have with your customers and all these types of things. Um, it's pretty powerful. Just this process Absolutely. of writing yeah. things down. <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. I, am, I know. And I, I know that like we've and I think it's ironic because you and I are digital course creators, right? So like, yeah. obviously we love all things digital, but I will tell you that experience of pen to paper is so, so powerful. Yeah. 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 And yeah. there's a number of ways that people do it. And so, you know, it just depends, I guess, what's best for you or what you're trying to accomplish. But I love what you mentioned about the planner. I kind of want to combine that where I have two notebooks. One is for like to do's thoughts and all that stuff. The other mm-hmm. one is more for like journaling. You know, it's like yep. I keep yep. them very separate. <laughs> same exact same. Um, yep. I've got like I've got three, <laughs> three <laughs> notebooks. And um, I, you know, we didn't really get into this, but yeah, I. I have a daily journal um, practice as well that is go. so, so valuable to me. Good, yeah. good, good stuff, man. Really appreciate your time today, Ali. Uh, great, as always, talking with you. And um, I appreciate you sharing all your insights. And I love the success that you've had. So, guys, check out Ali's um, information. You got the podcast, you got the roadmap, all that good stuff. And um, maybe she can help you get on those uh, retail shelves. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Adam. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Change Creator.